Odd Trails contains adult language and content. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, indeed. We hope you're having or had a wonderful time with your loved ones. And that you enjoy this special compilation of the scariest alien encounter stories. If you're traveling over the holidays, please be safe. We'll see you again in 2024. Peace be upon you. What I'm about to share with you is hard to believe or explain, so I won't blame you guys if you end up not reading my story on the podcast. All I can give you is my word. I've told my doctor about this experience and even reached out to a few organizations that specialize in the phenomena of UFOs. My doctor didn't have a clue what my deal was and the organizations said they'd get back to me, but they never did. So, I figure if I can't get answers, I can at least share my story. Ten years ago, almost to the date of writing this, I went through a messy breakup with my long-term partner. As a sort of catharsis, I decided to pack my bags and go camping by myself for a few days. I headed to Bridgeport, California, which is where my dad used to take me fishing as a kid. Fun fact that almost certainly is irrelevant to what happened to me, but I camped near a ghost town called Bodie, which has its own fair share of paranormal stories attributed to it. My first couple days of camping went well. I journaled, hiked around, went to a hot spring, even took some pictures in Bodie. Just enjoyed some quiet time to myself. To get right to it, on my last night there, At around 11 o'clock, I was sitting by a fire, looking up at the stars, when I noticed something exceptionally bright. It was flickering in different colors, and they were more vibrant than any airplane or helicopter I've ever seen, and it certainly wasn't Venus since it was moving. My depth perception must have been off at first because I realized this object was much closer to me than I had initially thought. Before I knew it, it matched the relative size of the moon, and I could make out its shape. It was unmistakably triangular. It's impossible to guess how close it actually was, but it was close. It continued to flicker a bit, 
until the three corners of the object all lit up green and stayed that way. The entirety of the object was also surrounded by a light blue hue. It's hard to say what immediately happened next because all I can remember is waking up at about an hour before sunrise, laying on the ground beside the chair I was sitting on. I was shivering cold and had a massive headache. My ears were buzzing, almost like a lower-toned tinnitus, and there was a weird metallic taste in my mouth. I paced around for a bit, freaking out. I started drinking from my jug of water, then my nose started to bleed. I'm not sure what all that was about. I don't know what happened to me at all. I've never experienced blacking out before or since. Nosebleeds aren't even common for me, and that headache was like no other I've had before. I almost wish I could recall being sucked into a beam of light coming down from the sky, but no. I simply stared at the strange object for a few minutes, then woke up on the ground hours later, miserable and confused. Even though I don't have memories of what happened in between all of this, I have since had recurring nightmares. Although the nightmares are quite vivid, I can't say I've seen any alien faces or anything like that, but I'm always on an operating table, blinded by a bright light as I'm getting poked and prodded by faceless entities of some sort. Never in any pain, just extreme emotional discomfort as I'm being violated. For several years, I'd experienced post-traumatic stress just from being outside alone in the dark. I find paranormal stuff interesting, but I never knew much of anything about it. My brother immediately jumped to the conclusion that I was abducted by aliens. He helped me research as much as we could, and as crazy as it sounds, all signs point to at least the possibility that I may have been abducted. I don't brag about this experience, and I find it terrifying, rather than some badge of honor. I'm still haunted by it, but... My life seems mostly squared away now. My brother has tried insisting he travel with me in the future in order to ensure that I'm truly prepared for what may happen again. Needless to say, I won't be going camping ever again, with or without my brother. I should note that I wasn't taking any prescription medication when this all happened, have never done illegal drugs, and I did not drink during my time in Bridgeport. I'm just a normal, functioning human with hardly any issues, although my hearing seems to be worse. I'll also add that when I made it back to my home in Pacifica, I made an appointment with my doctor. She ran some tests on me and didn't find anything of note. She guessed I may have had an upper respiratory infection, but that wasn't the case. I didn't mention the mysterious object in the sky.
The following story contains some disturbing content, and it is one of the most terrifying stories we've shared on the podcast. Listener discretion is advised. Back in 1967, there were no more than five people living in my small village in Cuba. Most of them were farmers and cattle ranch workers, including my great-grandparents. My grandma, on the other hand, had other aspirations. She was very good with people and children, and she liked medicine and biology, so she became a nurse at a local hospital. The following story is my grandma's account of Sarah's disappearance and death. I'd say that it's a story of what happened to her, but I'd be lying, because nobody really knows the whole truth. Sarah was very well known in town. She was pretty and radiant, and a good soul by all accounts. She was 32 years old and had never been married nor had children. Her parents had passed away years ago, so she lived all by herself in a small house near the train tracks in the outskirts of town. She never complained about her lot in life. She used to say that she'd rather be alone than in bad company. Sarah had worked at the same local grocery store as a cashier for over 10 years, and she had a reputation of being punctual and reliable as an employee. She opened the store every weekday at 6 a.m. sharp. That is, until that Tuesday morning when the store would remain closed because Sarah was gone. The neighborhood that went to check on her reported that the front door was locked. After incessantly knocking and calling out without response, they kicked the door in and made their way inside of her house, fearful that she had had a stroke or worse. But they found nothing. There was no sign of a struggle. The house was clean and organized. Her bed was made and all of the lights were off. It almost looked like no one even lived there. The whole town immediately mobilized to find her. Extra policemen from nearby towns were called to help with the search. But Sarah was nowhere to be found. She had just vanished. So one week passed, then another, and weeks turned into months. There was a lot of speculation around town regarding her whereabouts. Some people claimed that they saw her with a man in the city. Others that dogs found her remains not far away from the train tracks but it was all just gossip. Nobody really knew anything. So imagine the hospital staff's surprise when Sarah showed up at the front door screaming, take me out, take me out, at the top of her lungs, while holding her very much pregnant belly. My grandma was working that afternoon when she was startled by Sarah's screams. She and the other nurses ran towards her quickly examining her body for injuries, bruises, or cuts, but she looked unharmed. In unison, they bombarded her with questions, but Sarah kept screaming the same plea, take me out, over and over again. Finally, one of the nurses injected her with a strong sedative, while the rest slowly laid her down on a stretcher. Sarah was taken to one of the rooms reserved for pregnancies. My grandma and another nurse named Ava were assigned to her case. They both stayed by Sarah's bed throughout the night, exchanging theories about her disappearance and her current state. They both agreed that Sarah was probably taken from her house that Tuesday 
or maybe the night before, that she was probably sexually assaulted and kept against her will somewhere outside of town, that somehow she had escaped, and now she saw the baby growing in her belly as the result of the assault. They continued talking through the night as they watched Sarah's chest move up and down. When morning came, Sarah was still sleeping. Dr. Martinez, the town's OBGYN, thought this could be a good opportunity to examine her and the baby. Back then, they didn't have fancy ultrasound machines, so the doctor listened closely with his stethoscope to her belly. I can hear a heartbeat, he said. It's a strong one. Then he proceeded to measure her belly. She should be about three months pregnant, he said confidently and continued, which means that she probably wasn't pregnant when she disappeared. My grandma and Ava locked eyes and nodded. Doctor, my grandma said. Ava and I, well, well, we think she might have been assaulted and got pregnant that way. And that's why she was screaming those things yesterday. That's a possibility, Dr. Martin said as he walked towards the door. But we're just going to have to wait until she wakes up and tells us what really happened. But the story that Sarah would tell later would not answer any of these questions, and her unfortunate fate would raise many more. When Sarah woke up, she found herself in the company of two local policemen, Dr. Martinez, Ava, and my grandma. She seemed calm now, but the radiant expression that she once wore was gone. What follows is Sarah's account of that Tuesday in the months that followed. She said, I left my house at 5.30 a.m. and I was walking to work, just like I do every weekday. When I was walking past the rice fields, I heard a deafening buzzing sound. I covered my ears and I looked around, but I didn't see anything out of the ordinary. The buzzing sound intensified, so I started running. Then a white light blinded me and I felt weightless. After that, I remember feeling cold and numb like I was frozen. My ears still buzzing. I knew my eyes were open, but I couldn't see anything but white. Then I felt something in my stomach, like someone was pressing down on it. My eyesight was slowly adapting to the brightness and I could see shapes moving. And then I saw it. This feeling of dread and panic took over my body. I saw a hole in my stomach, and a large glass tube was inserted. A glass tube filled with this red, goo-like substance that squirmed and moved inside of me. I could feel it going inside of me and filling my stomach. Then the buzzing sound and everything else just went away. When I woke up, I found myself near the rice fields on the ground. I looked down and I saw my bloated stomach, rigid to the touch, and the memories poured in. I ran over here screaming for help. I must have scared the hell out of people in town, running like a crazy person. She paused, then chuckled. But I don't know what else to do. The room was silent. My grandma recalls that everyone had this wide-eyed expression, including herself. The silence broke when one of the policemen asked Sarah how long she thought she had been gone for. With a puzzled look, she responded that she wasn't sure, maybe a few hours if she had to guess. Dr. Martinez held Sarah's hand and sat by her bedside. After getting a nod of approval from one of the policemen, she proceeded to tell Sarah 
that she didn't show up that Tuesday at the store, that the whole town had been looking for her for weeks, and that she had been gone for almost three months. Sarah started crying inconsolably, repeating over and over that he was lying to her. It took another dose of sedative to calm her down. After her case was reported, the Capitol's hospital sent their best psychiatrist. He diagnosed her with some kind of mental disorder, most definitely brought by being sexually assaulted, kidnapped, and impregnated by her attacker. He reported that her memories were a defense mechanism, designed to cover the horrors that she must have endured. He instructed that the staff pump her with heavy antidepressants and, if necessary, keep her sedated. Indeed, during the following months, they would have to keep Sarah sedated and strapped to the bed most of the time. My grandma recalls that whenever she wasn't sedated or restrained, she would try to harm herself or the baby, who she continued to call it, thing, or parasite. She would roll out of bed and fall on her belly or bang her head against the wall repeatedly. She would also refuse to eat or drink water. On one occasion, she grabbed a pair of scissors from one of the trays and tried to stab herself while my grandma was changing her head bandages. Sarah would keep telling this same strange story of what happened to her until the day of her even stranger death. A few days before Sarah's due date, my grandma was tending to another patient when she heard a horrified scream coming from Sarah's room. She ran over there only to find Ava standing by the door sobbing with her hands covering her mouth. My grandma walked towards Sarah's bed. Her wrists were still strapped to it. Her eyes were open and blank. She was dead. Dr. Martinez came running in shortly after. He had also heard Ava's screams. He frantically placed the stethoscope on her chest, but there was no heartbeat. He moved the disc-shaped resonator towards her belly, but again there was no heartbeat. We need to get this baby out, he shouted. Ava and my grandma scrambled out of the room to get the necessary instruments and returned in a flash. Dr. Martinez proceeded to cut Sarah's round stomach and then suddenly stopped. His scalpel made a loud noise when it fell to the floor. His hands were trembling, his face in shock. There is no baby, he muttered. Sarah's cause of death was filed by the medical examiner as natural cause, although there was nothing natural about it. The baby, or lack of baby, that is, was attributed to a hysterical pregnancy and the wrong diagnosis. It was possible that Dr. Martinez had confused Sarah's own heartbeat with the baby's and he couldn't recall actually feeling the baby kicking. But my grandma swears that she did, and so did Ava. They would regularly check for the baby's kicks since Sarah spent so much time under sedatives. They always reported that the baby was, by all accounts, alive and well. I asked my now 74-year-old grandma her honest opinion regarding what happened to Sarah. I mentioned to her that Sarah's story could be classified as some kind of alien abduction encounter. She says that although she doesn't believe in aliens, she believed Sarah, and that she still believes that she was pregnant. The rest 
we simply can't explain. It was the summer of 2016, and three friends and I were having a good time and wanted something fun to get into. We decided that it would be a good idea to do what we call frog grabbing. I'm from a small town in Mississippi, so this is a very common thing to do, seeing as how we don't have much else to do around here to kill time. We hastily loaded up the trailer and hit the road for a 30-minute drive down to the river landing on the Mississippi. These were sloughs, more or less, that ran adjacent to the actual Mississippi River, so it was only about 50 feet wide. We rode around in a 16-foot flat-bottom boat with a small 25-horsepower motor. Anyone who knows anything about boats and the river knows that if you have four people in a small boat with a small engine, you won't be able to plane the boat out. The rumble of the engine causes large carp to jump around the boat. These fish are huge. They can easily jump into the boat and could literally knock you out if they hit you hard enough. We were all propped up on the boat in a sort of boxer's position, but sitting down, just anticipating the next time a carp would jump. That is to say, we were very acute and aware of our surroundings. Then, out of the corner of our eyes, we all four saw a green light in the sky. This wasn't an ordinary light. I would say it almost looked like the northern lights. Except this is Mississippi, and we don't experience that here. Plus, it was extremely low, and a lot brighter. As we were looking at this, a bright object flew over the top of the tree line and shot up into the sky, making a U-shape until it disappeared out of sight. It flew so fast that the only thing I could imagine would move that fast is a shooting star, except this was moving up and out of the atmosphere. The green smoky light was still there and never moving. That was until we all flew up about three feet and came crashing back down. We were all dazed at what just happened. We looked up again, and there were strobe lights, like what you would see at a fireworks show, except we were in the middle of nowhere, and these strobes were coming out of the tree line just a few hundred feet from us. As we went down the river, trying to figure out what the strobe lights were and what the green dusty light was, all of our phones died, except one of our friends who had a flip phone. We came up to the river dam and decided to turn around and go down an opposite river slough to catch some frogs. Around 30 minutes into that journey, we came up to the same river dam we were at 30 minutes prior. Now, this is physically impossible, due to the fact we were going down a small river and to turn around in a river is almost impossible to do without noticing, especially given the fact that the river was only 50 feet wide. We knew this river better than most people know their own home roads. We grew up on these rivers, 
We were all awestruck by how this happened. We drove around and around and around until we finally ran out of gas and had to call for help. We had no earthly idea where we were at this point, so we floated until we came across a bridge and decided to get out to tell our friend what mile marker and road we were on. Turns out, we were over two hours away from where we landed the boat, and to this day we don't know how that happened. We also can't explain the lights we saw in the sky, how we shot up three feet into the air, or how we ended up at the same dam twice. To add to the crazy night, after we backed the trailer in to get the boat, the leaf spring folded under the trailer, and we were stranded for a few hours. It was the craziest night of my life. I've never had any experiences quite like this one since. So last week I was browsing Reddit and I came across this person's post regarding hypnotherapy. I messaged them, told them my story, and it was a done deal. I'll start this off by saying this was nothing like what I expected a hypno-regression to be. And the things that I revisited, the things I remembered that happened to me, I found out were very traumatic to me as a kid. Even revisiting them now gave me a severe panic attack. But the hypno-regression therapist worked his magic, and while working through the hyperventilation, I was able to revisit my abduction as a kid and get the answers that I needed. However, I am still filled with more questions than answers. I won't share his hypno-regression methodology here, because he politely asked me not to, and I will respect his wishes. But he worked his magic, and I was soon back to where it all started. I saw myself, at six years old, being escorted down this very cold, dark, metallic hallway. I was able to look down, I saw that I was naked, and I saw my own legs, but they were the legs of a kid. They were my legs as a child. There were also large gray colored pipes that ran the length of the wall in this hallway, and toward the end of the hall, there were people walking back and forth down an adjacent hallway. As I approached them, I passed by a window to my right, and as I looked out, I could see the blackness of space and the earth below me to the left. When I got to this group of people, I started to notice they were quite human people. They looked very similar, but there was just something about their faces that I knew they weren't human. They were going about their business, holding some sort of pads, whether they were clipboards, tablets, or whatever. They looked up at me with a shocked, angry, and scared expression and said, hey, you're not supposed to be here. That's when I was escorted back by these two smaller people about my height. They took me into a large room where I saw two more of these smaller people and a large praying mantis-looking person. 
As I approached the room, the smaller people turned to look at me. I saw the mantis going about its business arranging tools, screens, and other things. Kind of like how a doctor would set up before an operation, just getting everything together. The smaller beings took me inside a room and did all kinds of tests on me. They handed me a small black box, and when I opened it, a bunch of images, screens, charts, numbers, videos, and all kinds of things were flying out of it, like a fountain of light. I had no idea what any of it meant, and these two small people were just staring at me the whole time. I can still see their faces in perfect detail. I swear, they looked just like little kids. Small, flat, circular head structure. Large, circular, golden, yellow, and brown eyes. With a small circle of white around the eye. They had large brows, but no hair. Small jaws, small mouths. And they had small holes behind their jaw near the side of their head. Their skin was tinted a leathery gray but it was sand or light brown colored, almost like a cashew. They were just watching me and studying me. This whole time, my hypno-regression therapist was guiding me through this experience, asking me questions about what I see, what I'm doing, and was also having me ask them questions, the typical who are you, what is your purpose, etc., to my surprise, they were able to answer me. This started giving me more and more panic because this whole time I could feel my body shaking. I knew I was hyperventilating. I was scared out of my mind, but the therapist did a good job of bringing me back when things got too intense. Here are some of the notes he graciously transcribed for me. In a cold place with pipes on the wall, floor is rough. It's not me. Just see my legs. No others in this room. There's a window, but I see black. It's just black. There are no doors, but a hallway. There are other people here moving back and forth with clipboards. They say I'm not supposed to be here. They're surprised and angry. More hallways, light on the walls, ceilings and floors. They look human, but they are not. They've been studying us a long time. The humanoids, they come from a pink tropical planet named Three Triangle. They study science, light technology. They are teachers, neither good nor bad. More questions. Do the beings see who you are? Yes. Do they accept you? Yes. Have them show you a place within this place that you do not know about. They're showing me a wall. It's fuzzy, gray, and blank. I see lights in different colors. The mantis being is standing there with many small beings. I communicated with the mantis. The little beings answered, We are servants. This is their job. They have no name. They're considered a tool. Somebody else is in charge, but who? It's unclear. I can't see. The humanoid beings gave me a box that's filled with memories, images, it's a puzzle. I'm really confused, it's a test, and they're looking at me. 
It was suggested to take the memories in the box and form new realities with them. This was done to mitigate any trauma and bring breathing to a normal rate. At this point, this place became a safe place, and we moved onto a place in nature. Throughout my experience, my breathing was very heavy. I was having a difficult time. My therapist was able to soothe me to a better place. The box was the most difficulty that I had. I left some things out of this experience that are a little personal. But if you have any questions, I'll do my best to answer them. And if anyone has had any similar experiences, please let me know. After 15 years of thinking, it was just a dream. This experience has shattered my reality. I don't know what to think anymore. I look up at the night sky now, wondering, where is this craft at? And if these beings are still watching me. I'd like to share an experience I had in July of 2012. I had just moved into my very own apartment about an hour away from my family in a different state. About two weeks after moving, I rescued a dog, and she would often either sleep with me on my bed or on the futon chair in my room. One day, my sister decided to visit me. Because I only had one room and one bed, we decided to share. So she and I were in my bed, and my dog was on the futon. We fell asleep, and I eventually woke up in the middle of the night. I'm not sure of the time. I'm a light sleeper and always have been. I woke up due to feeling a presence at the end of my bed and hearing voices. I was on my left side, facing my sister, who was also sleeping on her side. But I saw two figures standing at the end of my bed. They were humanoid-looking, with big, oval-shaped heads and large black eyes. Their voices sounded robotic, or like a cartoon alien. It's weird because I don't think I actually heard them, but rather their voices were projected into my head. The air felt heavy and like time was standing still. One of them spoke into something that resembled a wristwatch and said, There are two female humans and one canine. The other nodded in agreement. I couldn't move. I was paralyzed with fear. I'm known to have severe night terrors, but this was unlike anything I'd experienced in the past, and I've never experienced anything like it since. The entire time that those beings were there, which honestly was only maybe a minute or two, I was trying to wake my sister up, but I couldn't. The two figures finished, and somehow I fell back asleep, only to wake up a couple of hours later, which felt like seconds. I jolted awake and loudly exhaled, which woke my sister up and I quickly explained to her the experience that I had. Needless to say, both of us were pretty freaked out, but chalked it up to sleep paralysis. 
Since then, I've done some research into shadow figures, but from what I've concluded, many of them don't talk. They just stand there. Over the years, I've told people about my experience, and many believe me, despite it sounding crazy. I'm a very rational person, but the only explanation I can come up with is that some sort of alien race was conducting a census on the population that night. I've lived a pretty mundane life with very little of the paranormal or supernatural in it. I've never experienced sleep paralysis in my life. I'm now 35. My father, on the other hand, is very prone to such things, so I'm going to share some of his experiences as well. What little I have to post here may sound mundane, but at least it's 100% true. Number one. When I was about five years old, I was playing at my grandmother's house. The house would later become ours when my grandmother moved to a better location. One evening, around dusk, I went out on the porch and I saw the most ridiculous thing. A giant pink snail. Its shell was at least a foot high, and it was chugging across the porch like any regular snail. It was plain as day and about ten feet from where I stood. It looked like something from that old Dr. Doolittle movie. I got really excited, and I stuck my head back inside to tell my grandmother what I saw. But to my disappointment, when I looked again one second later, the snail had vanished. There were no signs of a snail trail or anything. It's possible that I hallucinated, but I've never hallucinated anything before or since, as far as I'm aware. Story number two. My father was an over-the-road truck driver. He drove an 18-wheeler all over the U.S. and in parts of Canada. During the summers, I'd go on the road with him. His truck had bunk beds. It was a rainy day in 98 in Pennsylvania. I remember because advertisements for the movie Godzilla were everywhere. My father was back in the sleeper, taking a nap, and I was up in the passenger seat, playing my Game Boy, and looking out the window. I was looking over at a truck parked next to us when I saw something that instantly made me sick to my stomach. It looked to be a human man with a dog or wolf snout. He had grayish normal hair on top, but kind of spiked up with some kind of wax or gel. But as my eyes went downward and I saw the snout, I freaked out and jumped back in the sleeper to wake my father up. When we looked again, there was no one up front in that truck, and the curtains were pulled on its sleeper. I had much difficulty going into the truck stop that we were parked at because I was afraid that I would encounter that dog driver. Later in life, I tried to rationalize it as me seeing a driver and his dog in the rain. Maybe I somehow mistook them for one being, but that really isn't what I saw. I doubt it would have made me sick to my stomach if that's all that it was. 
Story number three. It was around 1975. My father and a friend were out walking in rural Alabama. They reached the top of a hill, and down in the valley below, they both saw a stereotypical flying saucer. It was silver and hovering above the ground in the valley below. My dad's friend wanted to go check it out, but my father quipped that he wasn't ready to go to Mars and insisted that they get out of there, which they promptly did. In the early 90s, my dad was driving his 18-wheeler through Arkansas and saw another flying saucer come down out of the sky. It hit the ground, skid across a nearby field, and came to rest against a fence. My father gets on the CB radio and calls out to the other drivers in the area and says, Hey, did anyone else see that flying saucer hit that fence? Another voice comes on and says, Yes, we'll take care of it. My father kept driving and didn't look into it any further. His third sighting happened, once again while driving his 18-wheeler, but through New Mexico. This one looked more like a ball of light. It shot out of the sky and hovered above his truck at equal speeds for some time before breaking off to the right and zipping out of sight. Now, I only have one UFO experience to speak of, and it's not much of one. My dad was mowing the yard at our home in Alabama. He calls me outside and says that he wants to show me something, so I go out and he tells me to look up. Far off in the distance, I see what appears to be a black cube or something shaped like the sand crawler from Star Wars. It's very tiny since it's so far away. We stand there and watch it for about 20 minutes. It just floats in place. Occasionally, what appears to be a vent on the right or left side would open and close, appearing to help it stabilize itself as it floats. Eventually, we got bored and we went inside. I didn't believe it to be a UFO at the time, and I figured there must be some kind of explanation. In retrospect, I'm not sure of what it could have been. It could have been a weather balloon. But I've googled pictures of those, and this was definitely different, because it was black and a cube shape. I saw no round balloon shape holding it up. Here's the final story. On another truck trip, around 2001 in upstate New York, my dad was driving through the woods at around 3 a.m. He gets out of his truck to relieve himself and notes that there's this dense fog all around the ground, and the clouds in the sky are unlike any that he's seen before. They covered the sky like a dense white carpet. He was creeped out by this, but exhausted, so he found a place to pull over for a nap. During the night, he wakes up to see someone sitting in the passenger seat of his truck. Assuming it's some kind of intruder, he sits up and pulls back his fist to punch them. The man leans forward, and in the light, he appears to be Jesus. He extends his hand, and this causes my dad to lay back down onto the bed against his will. Then, quote-unquote, Jesus comes forward and touches this place on my dad's leg, which he had biopsied a week prior due to cancer suspicions. That's all my dad remembers before waking up. He would later be diagnosed with stage 3 lymphoma, but he survived it. The lymph nodes were in that same spot. 
This encounter is explainable as sleep paralysis, but one element that suggests otherwise is the fact that my dad claims he could move around at first, balling up his fist and trying to punch the figure. It was only afterward that he was forced to lay back down that it became more like a typical account of sleep paralysis. I don't think, if it was an entity, that it was benevolent or actually Jesus. After all, it's not like it healed his cancer by touching him, which is what you would expect. I've been up since 5 a.m., and I just can't get this off my mind. So last night, I had a nightmare that I was in an apartment, looking into a kitchen area. In the drawers, cabinets, and pantry door were all opening, closing, and moving by themselves. Almost like poltergeist activity. I was scared, so in the dream, I began praying. And then my wife, who was in bed next to me, kicked my foot and woke me up because I was clearly distressed and mumbling a lot in my sleep. Here's where things get weird. I jump awake, because my wife kicked my foot, and feeling relieved to not be having a nightmare anymore, I turn my head towards my wife, who was lying behind me, and say, Thank you, babe. I'm really sorry about that. I was having a nightmare. But I don't hear any response, so I figure that she's already fallen back to sleep or might just be so tired that she's still kind of out of it. Then, I turn my head back to face forward, the direction I was facing the whole time I was sleeping, and I notice something in the corner of the room, standing in front of the door. The room was dark, but its skin still appeared to be a dark, matte gray color. It was really skinny, had thin legs, and long, thin arms, a small, almost childlike torso, a narrow neck, and then a huge, bulbous head with large, black, almond-shaped eyes. It looked exactly like a traditional gray alien, but it was slightly transparent. Needless to say, I was shocked. And to be honest, my very first reaction was that I was seeing things because I had just woken up. So I rub my eyes and it's still right there. Trying not to panic and trying to come up with a rational explanation for it, I thought, this must just be dream chemicals still working in my brain. Then I sit up slightly and look into the other corner of our bedroom by the closet, expecting to see something there too, but there's nothing. Then I looked at the ceiling, nothing. The floor, nothing. The other wall, nothing. I look back at the corner by the bedroom door, and it's still right there. Standing there, completely still, just staring at me with its huge, jet-black eyes. And it's still slightly transparent, but I'm seeing it clearly and only in that one spot, too, 
not anywhere else in the room. Because the Texas power grid sucks, I always sleep with a flashlight next to the bed. And after seeing this thing for about a minute and a half, it occurred to me to grab the flashlight. I lean off the bed, reach down and grab the flashlight, and shine it in the corner of the room at this being. And because it's transparent, it became much less visible when I shined the light on it. I could still see it very slightly, just a lot less than before. Again, in disbelief at what I was seeing, I began slowly scanning the whole room with the flashlight. From the bed, of course, I wasn't going to try getting out of bed. I was way too scared. And again, I see absolutely nothing strange anywhere in the room at all, except for this thing I can see in the one corner by the bedroom door. I turn the flashlight off, and instantly, I can see it super clearly again, just staring at me. I rub my eyes and squeeze them together tightly, hoping that when I open them, it'd be gone. But it wasn't. So I finally begin truly freaking out internally, and I just began praying out loud. After about 20 seconds of praying, I watched this thing literally just fade out of existence and dematerialize right in front of me. It was standing there, dead still and staring at me the whole time. It suddenly became increasingly transparent until it was just not there anymore. I've been awake since then. I spent the rest of the night reading random stuff on Reddit because the experience shook me up quite a bit. Has anybody else experienced something like this? I feel so genuinely weirded out that I just don't know what to make of it. Thanks for listening, everyone. This week you have heard Abduction in Bridgeport by Angie, Possible Alien Abduction Encounter slash Sarah's Story by Rose B. Creepin, My UFO Experience on the River by Rhett, My Hypno-Regression of My Abduction by Antisocial Guru, Aliens Performing Census by Kylie, My Stories by Theological Debris, and finally, Gray Alien in My Room by Peppy Spray Pete. All of the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. Make sure you send your stories in to stories at oddtrails.com if you'd like to hear them on the show. And don't forget to sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash oddtrails if you want to get ad-free versions of all of our episodes at a higher bitrate for the best listening experience. And make sure you check out the new episodes of my other podcasts, Let's Not Meet, a true horror podcast, and the old-time radio cast, all at crypticcountypodcasts.com. We'll see you all next time. Stay safe. Peace out. Don't let the ghosts and the ghouls disturb you, darling.